Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch us on MileHighSports.com. Listen, of course, on Mile High Sports Radio, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD, 3 FM here in Denver. I'm Andrew Mason, Eric Goodman on assignment today, and uh, get well. Hope you're back here in studio tomorrow. So filling in for Eric Goodman, mm-hmm. the one and only, bringing his uh, CU Buffs ring. That's right. Justin Adams of CBS4. You know, the best thing about this ring First yeah. of all, Mace, my man, thank you so much. Hey, uh, Two thousand, you know, five Big Twelve North champions. Um, absolutely. Let's, not, let's forget what happened after that. But look, well, first of all, there's no way we could forget about that. And I was trying to help. No, you. no, no. I embrace it. I, I, I embrace blowouts. Okay. First of all, Even we had to that no, degree. Oh, psh, dude, we had no shot against Texas. <laughs> I mean, that, that's not news. That's not news to anybody. I know, but just the, the admission. Like, we had no shot. <laughs> great story. It's a great story of the week. So we were in the locker room talking about, like, what bowl game we would go to. And at the time, if you won the Big 12, you go to the Fiesta Bowl. Right. So we were like, oh, yeah, we could go to Fiesta Bowl and we could do all these different things. It'd be so cool to be there. And then we all paused in the locker room and we were like, yeah, you know, the Independence Bowl is pretty good this time of year. And that was it. Like, we knew we wasn't going to win that game. We tried to keep it close. There was no shot that we had in that one. None. I mean, you did get to Orlando. Yeah. Uh, Champ Sports Bowl. Champ Day. Sports Bowl. That right. was great, man. Yeah. That was great. So great, it wasn't great. bad. It wasn't Shreveport. No, it wasn't Shreveport. Thank God. But, uh, uh, we ended yeah. up going in uh, 07 to Shreveport. But uh, yeah, we uh, that team was so good, man. So good. Which one, CU or Texas? Oh, Texas, man. The God. final was 70 to three. <laughs> no, here's the thing. I always try to tell people about that game. It was 70 to 3 with like eight minutes to go to the third quarter. They yes. could have scored a hundred easily. Easily. They put in like it's not even the JV squad they put out there. They put out like freshmen. Yes. It was terrible. You're, I mean, literally, I'm looking at the box score. Texas scores to make it 70 to 3 with 736 <laughs> to go in the third quarter. Dude. <laughs> There's nothing you can say where you're getting beat like that. You just hope that. See, there's no running clock in college. Right. So you just deal with it. There should be for a game like that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, buddy. It was bad. Oh, my gosh. Jamal Charles scored a touchdown. Dude. Or two of them. Three of them. Future Bronco. Will you look at that roster? Yes. Oh, God. It's so stacked. Actually, and Selvin Young. Yeah. So so four of the touchdowns for Texas that day were scored by Future Broncos. (laughs) So you're telling me they were pretty good, huh? Yeah, they were pretty good. They could run the they could run the ball a little Just bit. Just a little bit. Oh my gosh. If you want to join the conversation, he's at Justin M's TV. I'm at Mace Denver on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. You can hit us up there. And of course, if you want to call in on the Go Fast Energy Drink hotline and text line 303-831-1340. Time now for the lead. The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. All right. Well, of course, it's the biggest Broncos game probably in five years. Easily. Justin Simmons says it's the biggest game of his career. Mm-hmm. And he's been here for five seasons. He, Poor Justin. You think about that. Not just you, but uh, right. for the Big 12 championship right. back in 2005. But poor Justin Simmons, who arrives right after Super Bowl 50. Yes. 
So he's around the a lot of the guys that want it, but he doesn't. He he hasn't tasted anything. No, he's, like this. He's tasted a whole lot of losses against the Chiefs. That's it. He did have an interception though as a rookie. Yes, in that Christmas night game. Yeah, I remember that well. Well, Don Terry Poe also had a lot to say the, about that game too. The Fat Tebow oh, touchdown. God, that sucked. That was uh, Gary Kubiak uh, on that road trip telling John Elway he was done. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that was mm-hmm. that was an eventful trip. Yeah. And by the way, I, personally, as a as someone who covers the team, no more games on Christmas Day. <laughs> Christmas Eve, fine. Day after Christmas, okay. I mean, it sucks traveling on Christmas Day, but there is something just utterly miserable about a road game on Christmas Day. Oh, especially in Kansas City when it's cold. Nothing's open. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You go there for barbecue. There's nothing around. Well, I'm going to get plenty of barbecue Ooh, this weekend. Oh, buddy, I love well, to that's that. Well, that's the one good thing about the fact that it was moved to primetime, besides the fact that uh, puts the Broncos in the spotlight, is you get another couple of barbecue meals. There you go. But I digress. The 11-game winning streak that the Chiefs have amassed. Andy Reid asked about it today by Denver Media when he had his conference call uh, over at uh, Broncos headquarters. Here's what he said. Yeah, somebody asked me about a streak. I'm not even sure what streak we're talking about. I'm glad you explained it, but uh, um, we don't get into that. Every year is different in this league, so we've got to, you know, we've, we always preach that, and it's true. I mean, that's the truth. So, um, and this is a good football team that we're playing. So, you, if you get your focus on that and not whatever other stuff we got going here, that's a that, that's the most important thing. You better focus. Should take all your energy to focus in on uh, this football team, uh, the Denver Broncos football team. That you better have everything tunneled in on that because they're a good team. How much does this losing streak really mean to the players involved right now, today? It means everything. Even though a lot of these guys haven't experienced any of that. Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been a part of a Broncos loss to the Chiefs. For sure. When when a guy like Justin Simmons, who's one of your leaders, come out and says, this is the biggest game of my career. Yeah, You have to believe that. When they have the speeches, you all know about that. You covered this team. You know about the speeches that happens on Saturday night. And I will believe you will have Justin Simmons up there. You will have other guys that's been a part of this rivalry who will be up there in front of the team speaking about what this game means to them. At the end of Saturday night, they will all understand the importance of this game. I don't care if you're a rookie. I don't care if you're a ball boy. I don't care who you are. You all understand that this is the biggest game of Justin Simmons' career and the biggest game in the season. I mean, I would say by that, maybe the guys making the speeches on Saturday are Justin Simmons, mm-hmm. Bill Kolar, and Reggie Heron. Yes. The two coaches that have been around the longest on this staff. And have and actually, with Kolar and Herring, they have seen a win. Right. Back at Arrowhead in September of 2015, the Brandon Marshall game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Put your hand in there but, and Jamal Charles fumbling. I wish he could fumble against uh, you know Colorado back in the day, but whatever. Um, it might have made it 63-3 uh, <laughs> to three instead right. of 70-3. to three. Just a little closer. Uh, but no, they, they will all understand the importance of this game. Yeah. And that's the thing. First of all, it's prime time. So you will have absolutely no issue of getting these guys ready to play a football game. But on the opposite side, too, when you look and say, hey, guys, 11 times, they have not just beaten the Broncos. They have beat up the Broncos. In every way. In every way. There have been some close games. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of butt kickings. Mm-hmm. You, There have been games that, uh, you know, like 
like in 2019, game, two games, Broncos score nine points. Yeah. So their offense has done bupkis. Right. There was the game last October where it was special teams and defense scoring mm-hmm. a touchdown for Kansas, touchdowns for Kansas City on a day when their offense was frankly pedestrian. Right. Yeah. Okay. It, it's happened. It, it's happened in every way. And there, there's the, there's the, la, there's the brutal last minute overtime loss. Mm-hmm. You've had a couple of those. Right. You also had a flea flicker that didn't go well, mm-hmm. went over the head of a uh, Philip Lindsay. And you had to have, you know, Garrett Bowles come back and make a tackle. You, know, you, you had a fake punt. Yes, you had a fake. I mean, you, The Tom McMahon special for Colby oh Wadman. I mean, every way possible that you could lose a game in this 11-game losing streak, the Broncos have done so. Every way. Literally, every way. Blown a lead. Blown. To the 2016, kind of, even though they had yes. lost, even though they, yes. th- this was only the second loss in this 11, blowing the lead late, an eight-point lead against Kansas City after... Benny Fowler has the long touchdown, mm-hmm. and then the Chiefs march down, and Bradley Roby is playing off. Right. So concedes the first. Well, he's playing the end zone when the Chiefs didn't have to get to the end zone. Right. To keep the drive alive, concedes the first down. The Chiefs score. They get the two point conversion, and then win in overtime. Uh, I mean, but that was also the game where the Broncos really. Their defense started to look vulnerable. Yes, that was a yes. turning point moment because because on that drive the Chiefs went at the no fly zone. They did, and it was never quite the same after. Never that. again. And that's the one thing that always stands out to me. There's two games that stand out. There's that game, and then there's the one where everybody talks about. Well, uh, the play clock was at zero. Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. You know, Case Keenum overthrowing Ke- DT. Oh my god. And, People and, try to blame oh, DT for that. I can't believe Can you, that. I still can't believe that. I, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 again, being in, so we, we're in the press box. Yes. So we have opportunities to be able to see the plays from the press box mm-hmm. so you can see the whole field. I remember as the play was happening, seeing DT, seeing the cover two, mm-hmm. and my eyes, you being trained, looking at football, immediately looked at DT. And I was like, oh my God, it's open. Yeah. And to see Case Keenum, oh, you could have put the ball on him. And had DT make a move, you're going you're going to score, win that game, and he just overthrew him. And everybody in the press box, you're supposed to be silent, but everybody was like, "Oh, I remember that? Oh, that that was that's the difference between Case Keenum honestly being still a starting quarterback, and him being a backup in Cleveland. Like that play right there was the difference. And DT does exactly what he's supposed to do in, with that coverage. Yes, do the do the, do the little hitch and go, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, and. It, the ball was at the and case air. ran it and case threw it like it was a go. Right. And it's but again, that's what this rivalry is all about. It's the small things, the death by inches, whatever you want, whatever moniker you want. It's the small things and the small decisions that get amplified in games like this against a team that frankly is better than you. Kansas City is better than you. Vegas thinks they're they're ten point ten points better than you. Right? I would and I would actually say of these eleven games, only the first two. In this 11-game streak, because you say the Broncos had a better team yes. Yes. going in. And he, and the second one of that, that was, again, that was the one where the no-fly zone kind of got breached at mm-hmm. the end there. And you could say, okay, maybe they were equal at that moment. Right. But then that's the other nine where the Chiefs were clearly the better side going in. But that being said, in the NFL, if you have a shaky team against an excellent team, and they play nine times... The shaky team's probably still going to win one or two. Right. Yet none of them have gone the Broncos' way. Well, if there was one that the Broncos could have won, would have been the last time they met up 
in prime time, if you think about it. Yes. You have a chance, despite throwing an interception on a first drive, despite all the things that aren't going your way, you still have a chance in the final drive to drive down for the game-winning score. And it doesn't happen. You throw an interception. Yeah. It doesn't happen. And that's, again, that's just a difference. That's what's that's what needs to happen in this game, is that you need to make this a fourth-quarter game. You need to make this a game kind of like what you did against Dallas, where you make this a very ugly football game. You run the football a lot. You stay on the field. You have 39, 40 minutes of time of possession. And that's the way that you can win this game. There is a formula. Yes, there is. But will it happen? And will it uh will happen against Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, who looks like they got the act together? I don't know. We'll see. You know, last year there was inter- I forgive the end the end game interception mm-hmm. for Drew Locke. I can't forgive the first drive interception. No, neither can I. Trying to jam it in there uh, to a window that doesn't exist, costing your team three points. Kind of part and parcel of what we expect. And- have seen from Drew Locke. But we also know that there was somebody who was open right in front of your face. I know. Coming on a drag route. Like, yeah. right in front of your face. And that, again, that's the difference. It's a play that kind of sums up Drew Locke to yep. this point. 100%. And it's a big reason why he they didn't have confidence in him. Mm-hmm. Because that and the Chargers interception later that month, two games that were winnable, that you could say were lost because of early interceptions. What could also be lost is the Major League Baseball offseason, a likely lockout stalemate between the players and owners coming later tonight. We're going to talk with Tracy Ringlesby, longtime baseball writer, Rockies writer on the other side. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. He's Justin Adams filling in for Eric Goodman. I'm Andrew Mason, Mile High Sports Radio, MileHighSports.com. And Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Boy, this makes you think of another time of year, huh? Springtime, green grass. The grass is kind of brown, but feels like spring out there right now. It does. we 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 should play some baseball right now. We should. Yes. 72 degrees today. Perfect. Beautiful. Ah, makes me think. Wish the baseball season would go until Dece- December. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. That voice you hear is Justin Adams filling in for Eric Goodman. I'm Andrew Mason. Uh, I want to tell you about Impact Real Estate. Finding the right location for your business is a big decision. That's why you need to work with Heather Taylor and her team over at Impact Commercial Real Estate. Their nine-person team has over 50 years of experience. They're hands-on and think out of the box through creative, thoughtful, and dynamic real estate services, and this is why their brokers are ranked in the top 10 in the Denver Denver metro area. So if it's buying, selling, or leasing, their experience with large developers and small business owners will make an impact for you. So go with the best and work with Impact Commercial Real Estate. You can find them at impactcommercial.co. That's impactcommercial.co. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have nearly 155 star reviews? No one has better service and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. Let's go out to the hotline and we're going to check in with Hall of Fame writer, a man who has probably forgotten more baseball than anybody in this building knows. Tracy Ring will be checking in. Tracy, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. I guess the big question is, 
how are Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association doing right now with that deadline looming tonight? I don't think they're doing very well, particularly when they want to make it an issue out of the deadline this early. That's never happened that I remember, and I've been around since '76, so I missed the first couple of uh, the first couple of skirmishes. But I've been there for the bad wars. Um, you know, it's it's um, everybody's like trying to show their power, and I think what's happened is in the last two negotiations, the owners haven't been smart enough. Their their guy has popped off about how bad he beat the players' association in the negotiations. Well, that's not how you win friends and influence enemies. You know, you you win a negotiation, and then you you don't say much about it because you don't want to rub it in, and and you want to have a relationship. But um, that doesn't really seem to matter to Rob Manford. He's more worried about trying to make himself important. And so what you've got now is that the Players Association, Don Fair, um, sent his negotiator from the hockey down Mm -hmm. to uh, handle the negotiations for the players, which is smart because before they had three guys in charge of the Players Association who couldn't even negotiate their own contracts when they were players and they were trying to to go up and, and figure out how to get things done. So... I'm afraid that I'm a pessimist on this thing. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a while. Tracy, I'm a little confused because why would you have free agency open up and guys signing these big deals like Max Scherzer, right, forty three million a year? Why would you have free agency right now if you're potentially going to have a lockout within the next couple of days? It makes no sense to me. Well, the only reason is that's that's what the rule is when the when free agency starts. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to change the basic agreement that they're operating under. Um, and the other thing of it is, is you know, they're not going to get paid if there's a lockout or a strike. So it's, it's not like teams are risking money that, that they can't recover. I mean, if, if they wind up, if they wind up starting the season late and they cut the number of games down, well, they'll take a percentage of the salaries away from the players too, because, um, you know, they're not liable at that point. So, um, you know, I don't know why with with the state of the game, you know, they, they were all excited that this year's attendance was up, our TV viewing was up like 15% over last year. Well, it's still the second lowest in the history of the game. And if you want to compare things to last year with what was going on, if you want to compare that to when times are supposedly good and better, then you're really wasting everybody's time. How long has this uh, kind of this this animus been building? Because, of course, in 2020, as the sides were trying to figure out a, se- a shortened season in the middle of the pandemic, it ended up kind of going back and forth, back, back and forth until finally, you know, kind of MLB said, all right, we're going to play the 60 game season and uh, there's not and, and it's going to just end late October or November. And that's it. We're not going to extend it out beyond that. Well, and that you know the players really had they had nothing they could say about it, but it, it just added to the uh, the animosity. And I think they had a hard time getting the players to agree to things because they were they were basically tired of uh, not being uh, maybe treated how they felt they should be treated by the by the ownership. And you know I, I think it's it's what happens when you get a guy in to be the commissioner who um, his whole goal is to figure out what what fancy things he can do so he can eventually be inducted to the Hall of Fame. Even though when he wasn't commissioner, he used to spend his whole trip in going to Cooperstown for the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, complaining about being stuck in a little tiny town for three days over the, over the summer when he could have been home enjoying himself. 
So, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. And, you know, the other thing that I think is, is a potential problem, and this is just because there's not an awareness of it, there's five owners in baseball that have ever been through a work stoppage. Mm-hmm. They got 25 owners, and, you know, a lot of them are very wealthy men that, that dominate their, their industry, right? Right. You got twenty-five owners. They don't know what the work stoppage is like, you know, and who knows where we were would be today if it hadn't if it hadn't been for the fact that the players in Bud Selig and the Players Association got together, in the you know, and said in uh, in '95, it's like you know what, we just got to get something done. We can't we can't carry this on any farther into the to the '95 uh, season. We've already ruined the '94 season and. You know, the difference between Bud and a lot of them were, there were a lot of things I didn't agree with Bud on. And, and what I enjoyed about him is you could you could get into loud arguments with him, and then 15 minutes later you'd go have a cup of coffee with him or a beer with him. You know, he, he had that type of personality. But, you know, I, I think the one thing that you had with Bud is you had a guy that truly had a passion for the game. I mean, this yeah. is a guy that was a car had a car dealership and went out and found people to help him fund bringing a team back to Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, he, he was, he was always standing right outside the press box on this little platform, watching the games in, in Milwaukee at, at County stadium. I mean, he truly did love the game of baseball. I don't know that the current, um, commissioner really cares. Mm, wow. Uh, Tracy, if we do have a lockout and you just saying, you don't know if the commissioner really cares, but if we do have a lockout and it looks like we're going in that direction in major league baseball, how long do you foresee this lasting? Could it be something where we look at like 1995 where a couple of games are lost? Or are we looking at like 94 where pretty much the rest of the season, including the World Series, was canceled? Yeah, and remember 94, 95. 95, they realized what they'd gone through from 94. That was really a joint situation. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it wasn't like they were separate entities. It was, it was just basically the owner's. Well, we said we just got to get something done. This is this is crazy, and and you know, that's why I say I think part of the problem this year is you know, virtually none of the people in ownership were around. And Jerry Reinsdorf, who hates the the uh, commissioner, is on the outs, and he's the one. You know, he's one of the few guys that's strong enough to uh, to understand what's happened and, and what's at stake because he's been through it. You know, he's he's been through it in the NBA and he's been through it in, in MLB, and. Uh, but he's a he's a non non entity to um, the commissioner because he was the one that led the charge to try to block him from being uh, approved, which I think it took five votes before they could get what they needed for him to get the job. Hall of Fame writer Tracy Ringles be joining us to talk about uh, the pending uh, Major League Baseball MLB Player Association lockout. Of course, we've seen uh, that uh, Dick Monfort is uh, involved with this. Of course, can for those who aren't aware, uh, what is Dick Monfort's uh, role in the negotiations? Well, it sounds like he's kind of representing uh, ownership and trying to meet with the players and be a different voice than uh, than the commissioner um, because. They, you know, there's not much of a relationship there. So I, I think they're having having uh, Monfort go in and and try to be uh, an emissary to try to keep people from uh, walking out of the sessions. Um, I don't know how easy that's going to be, and I don't and I don't say that on you know as a slam on Dick. It's it's not the easiest chore to go in and try and clean up a mess that the commissioner's made over the last two negotiations. But that's that's what he's 
evidently been in charge with doing. But, you know, I mean, again, he doesn't fully understand what happened in 95 because he wasn't around. Mm -hmm. He wasn't part of the group. He wasn't even a minority owner at that point in time. So, you know, that I think that's that's part of um, part of the problem. I mean, you've had 25, 20, what, 26 years, I guess, 25 mm -hmm. years of labor peace. And uh, the awareness of the impact that had on the overall state of the game gets lost on people whose egos get uh, blown up that they're going to push somebody around. I'm interested in how damaging the work stoppage would be because you'd look at everything that's going on. These, I mean, there's a difference between 95 where people really cared about baseball. But even at that time, it took guys hitting the ball literally out of the park. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, to really bring people back in droves to watch baseball again. That took about three years after the strike was over. If oh, yeah. there is a long work stoppage that goes into the season, that let's say goes into June, July, what is that going to happen overall to the game? Because you already talked about how less, how fewer and fewer people are watching the games nowadays. What would that do to just the game in general from a viewership standpoint, from a fan standpoint? How about just for being in a part of the American culture, what would that do if we have a long work stoppage? Well, I think it becomes a secondary sport. I mean, I, I really do. I think, you know, it's already, I don't know, I'm I'm old, so I'm an, I have my own theories on the game, and it's hard for me to watch the game now, much less to have an animosity over a work stoppage. But, I mean, <laughs> guy, guy throws five innings, he throws 72 pitches, he gives up two hits, and, and they got to take him out of the game because he can't pitch any longer. I mean, baseball's got to be the only sport, only major sport where the athletes are not as well conditioned today as they were 30 years ago. Because you got guys more, more injured, too. I mean, it's yeah. not like all these precautions they're taking are keeping guys healthy. You know, when I first started covering in 76, you could have three players on the injured list. Two could go on a 15 day, one could go on a 21 day, but a pitcher could only go on the 21 day. That was it. But you also had like the Orioles. They went to the World Series. What in the '69? Is it '69 that they won? Yeah, '69 uh, against the Mets, right? Yeah, and they yeah, they won they in had, '70. Yeah, they had a nine-man pitching staff, right? They had yeah. four starters, and if there was an off day, the fourth starter just stayed in the bullpen because the starters pitched every four days. Yeah, and they were pretty good pitchers. I mean, it's not like these guys were washed up and, and worn out. You know, I mean. People, a really close friend of mine, Nolan Ryan, is, you know, everybody says, oh, he's a freak. Well, his first five years in pro ball, he, didn't, he was with the Mets and he didn't have a winning record, and he was a throw-in in a trade to the Angels for Fergosi. Mm -hmm. He wasn't even like the main guy. He was just a throw-in. And he was going to quit that spring. And his wife said, Nolan, you really like this Tom Morgan, and you really think he's helped you. Um, I think we should stay one more year, and if that's not – if it's if you don't feel good after that year, then we'll go back and we'll get the ranch going and get ready to have, raise, raise a family. Mm -hmm. The guy became a pretty good pitcher, and everybody said he was a freak of nature. Well, he wasn't a freak of nature. He was a freak of being focused and having people teach him. You know, and it was I mean, it was to cover the angels with him was amazing because I mean, you know, <laughs> we had a, that game in New York is the first time I'd ever been to New York City, right? Yeah. And as a Saturday day game, I thought, well, I'm going to go to Broadway tonight. This will be neat. Yeah. Well, in the Twelfth inning, Nolan's out there still pitching. Um, needless to say, he didn't make it to the uh, 
to Broadway. <laughs> I mean, 227 pitches later, he came out of the game. But he was, but as he said, you know, I got three days to rest after this. I can't worry. About it. <laughs> my next time's a, my next one's a night game, so I really have more than three days because this was a day game. I said, well, it wasn't a day game by the time you got done. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh! What? That's crazy. <laughs> Tracy Ringles be Hall, Hall of Fame writer with with great stories like that. Real quick before uh, b- before we let you go here, you, know, you got me thinking when you're talking about the the seventy Orioles and how they had they and I was looking up they had sixty complete games that year. So there are things like that. We see that the ratings are down at least on a on a nationwide basis. Do you think uh, maybe the MLB owners are kind of a little bit blind to some of the uh, the woes that plague the game right now? Oh, I think so, because I think, you know, it, it, it's just like people start, they act like analytics is something new, right? <laughs> Branch, Rickey, Branch Rickey had analytics. Branch mm-hmm. Rickey had a full-time statistician working for him doing analytics. But you know the difference between Branch and the guys today? He didn't want everybody to know what he was doing. Right. Yeah. Right? He thought, I've got something they don't have. I'm not going to tell them. So Bob Housen, bless his heart, yeah. he was Branch's pro- child protege. And he brought him along. And Halsum said, you know, he was talking to me because he used to come to Coors Field after he retired. He was living up in in, uh, in the mountains. right? And we'd sit and talk, and he'd say, you know, Tracy, I uh, I made one really bad mistake. I go, what? He goes, well, you know, I learned from Branch, and I understood the part that once a player turned 32, you never make a major commitment to a player past 32 because they're not going to get any better, but they're going to go downhill. And he said, that's one he said, I understood that part, but, you know, I, I took Branch's theory on moving players that age, getting younger players. I went to, when I got the GM job in St. Louis, I was there two years. I fired, I traded away a lot of, quote, fan favorites. I got fired, and then they went to the World Series the next two years after I left. So I felt like I at least achieved what I wanted to do. And he said, then I went to Cincinnati, and I followed Branch's theory, and I traded the older guys. I brought younger guys in, and we had the big red machine. So I was feeling pretty good about myself. He said, then everything fell apart and it was my fault. I said, what? He goes, because you get so caught up in numbers and you start to think that because you have the statistical approach that you have all the answers, but you forget that you deal with a human element. And when I traded, when I traded Tony Perez to Montreal, mm-hmm. that whole team fell apart. Mm-hmm. I did not take into consideration what he meant to our locker room. He was the only guy that could make Joe Morgan play against left-handed pitchers. He was a guy that everybody turned to whenever there was trouble. And I screwed up, and I traded him, and the team fell apart. And that was what Branch used to tell me. Don't get too smart. Don't think you, nobody else is, is as smart as you are. Because if you think that you're smarter than everybody else, you're bound to fail. That's some good advice that carries forward to a lot of areas. Tracy Ringles, big Hall of Fame writer. You can find his work at InsideTheSeams.com. Pleasure having you on. I'll talk with you again soon. Oh, no problem. Can I plug Welcome to 7220? Absolutely. Your coverage of the Wyoming Cowboys. You bet. Okay. It's, you're a busy man, so all about <laughs> baseball, InsideTheSeams.com. And then, well, my, wife said you're, my wife said you're supposed to be retired. Why are you doing all this? You know, the late Andy Rooney said writers don't retire. No, I started doing this when I was 17. I'm not going to stop now. Amen. Right. That's, that's the way to go. Tracy Ringlesby, Hall of Fame writer. Great having you on. Thanks for uh, joining us. Appreciate your time. All right, guys. All right. Coming up on the other side, we're going to do a little Believe It or Not in the NFL. Believe it 
or not in the, around the Broncos. Would you believe that there are some numbers that say that Teddy Bear Bridgewater's having a better season than Patrick Mahomes? No. Real? Fake? We'll get into it on the other side here. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Just Nam's filling in for Eric Goodman. I'm Andrew Mason, Mile High Sports Radio, MileHighSports.com. And the newsman sang his same song. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason as uh, Danny Bailey has Rush leading us in. Oh. Eric Goodman is the resident Rush fan okay. here. And of okay. course... He's out. Those, those dulcet tones you hear are those of Justin Adams of CBS4 at Justin Adams TV on Twitter. I'm at Mace Denver on the Rocky Mountain Forest Parks Twitter feed. But yeah, he, Eric is our rush head, as it were. It's good music, man. It is good, good music. good music. I love it. It's good old school music. It's way back Wednesday, right? Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, like, what day of the week is it's it? It's way back Wednesday. It's you way, day right it is. Yeah. Well, Thanksgiving threw, threw us all off. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, okay, oh, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday. Anyway. Threw off my diet, too. Ooh. Uh, threw up everybody's Ooh, diet. Buddy. Yeah. But it was some good food. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get any sweet potato casserole? Oh, heck yeah. You can't have Thanksgiving without sweet potato casserole. Dude, I had casserole. everything. I'm on this diet. We're supposed to slim down. Lost eight pounds, by the way, in a month. Hey. Um, but See, I'm, I'm just glad I haven't gained weight during a football <laughs> there season. You go. For the first time, like, ever, yeah. I haven't gained weight during football season. That's good, man. Yeah. Good stuff. Because I, always, I always drop, like, 10 or 15 pounds in the off season and put it back on in season. This year, I haven't, so I'm ahead of the game. Press box food. Yeah. That has I, a lot to do with it. I'm going for the vegan dogs now in the press box. Nice. I like it. Actually, one of them wasn't bad on Sunday. <laughs> Time now for what's trending. What's Trending is presented by Impact Real Estate. Impact Real Estate is creative real estate and solutions with the greatest impact. Go to impactcommercial.co. Now, of course, uh, the, the interview with Tracy Ringlesby ran over and didn't want to interrupt him because he brought a lot of good stuff. Tracy's the man, okay? Yeah, and yeah, you know what? Man. I was actually a little bit surprised to hear some of the things that we heard particularly about Rob Manfred. Yes. And frankly, some... <laughs> yes. Distressing things if you're hoping for a, a labor piece in Major League Baseball. So we're going to do, believe it or not, we're probably going to do some in the next hour as well. But uh, we do like to call this, believe it or not, go through some NFL and Broncos topics and uh, disseminate the real from the fake. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, Teddy Bridgewater is having a better statistical season than Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Man, I don't believe that. That's fake. That can't be real. It depends what metric you go by. Exactly. That's the thing. Like if if you start putting all, if you go by one thing, like if you go by, for example, passer rating strictly, that's it. Mm -hmm. You're going to look and you're going to see that Teddy Bridgewater is ahead of both Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Okay. In terms of, in terms of passer rating right now, Teddy Bridgewater's rating is 98.9. Pat Mahomes' passer rating is you have to wow, you've got to go pretty far down. 94.7. Wow. Yeah. Justin Herbert's passer rating is 96.5. So what you're telling so me. So literally, Teddy Bridgewater is 12th. 
Herbert is 15th, and Pat Mahomes is 17th. So that settles it. We have a quarterback. It does. Well, we have the quarterback does, of the future. But let's talk about ESPN QBR, which is a more mm-hmm. total metric. Yeah. Number one in the league, Justin Herbert, 65.9. Number nine, Pat Mahomes, 57 or 57.4. And number 20, Teddy Bridgewater, 50.1. Yeah, so we should trade uh, Teddy Bridgewater after the season immediately, right? Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? Is that, <laughs> get rid of him? Yes. You know what? <laughs> In the look, is Bridgewater having a, a good season? Yes, but at the same time, and this is something that I'll just lean on Eric for, and because he made this point, when we were talking on the phone earlier today. Eric Goodman said, "You know what? This is Mahomes at his worst, and it's Bridgewater at his best." Yes, and the stats back that up. You do realize the next touchdown pass that Teddy Bridgewater throws would be the most that he's ever had in a single season. Yes, I don't think people realize that. Mm-hmm. Like. Despite all the passing woes that we have from this year, and he's only thrown 15 touchdown passes, the next touchdown pass will be the most that he's had in his career. He's playing his best football despite being injured, despite battling all these other different things. He's playing the best football of his career right now. And that should tell you something. If this is the best that Teddy Bridgewater has ever played, and you're thinking in the back of your mind about making a replacement, like like switching him out as starting quarterback— that should tell you everything you need to know about this guy. That should tell you everything you need to know about his ceiling from here on out. Well, I don't think anyone's thinking about a replacement, at least this season. Not anymore. this season, but you're just saying for the long term. Because you're still saying, all right, are you looking at an elite quarterback or are you looking at the draft? You'll, uh, I, I think uh, it's more logical now probably to go in the draft and then bridge water back on a short-term deal. This year? This yeah. year to draft? I mean, it's not the best quarterbacks out the bunch. It's not like the last couple of years, right? You have a lot of projects out if there. If you're willing to say, all right, if this guy doesn't work, we're going to draft a quarterback the next year. Okay. If I you're willing that. to do the Arizona Cardinals thing, Rosen one year, Murray the next year. That's fine with me. Yeah. Fine See, me. if anything, a Bronco mistake is that they probably stuck with some of the guys they drafted too long. Like, you didn't draft a... You like Justin Herbert. They Look, they liked Justin Herbert a lot. Mm-hmm. And if he had been in the 2019 draft... I I will stake a lot on that they would have picked Justin Herbert. So, despite- but then they had Drew Locke the following year, and so oh we want to see where Drew Locke goes. And even though they really like Justin Herbert, they didn't pick him. And that's the one thing where if you see a guy that you like who's a better player, if you know that he is a better player, then the Broncos should have got Justin Herbert. Yeah. If that's a guy that you saw, a guy that you liked, then you go move up in the draft and you go and draft that guy immediately. Yep. It is what it is. It's a, it's a cutthroat world out there. You got to do what you got to do. Very well put. Coming up on the other side, just in case you missed it here on Mile High Sports Radio, MileHighSports.com. Danny, what have we missed so far? Well, the Nuggets and Avalanche both in action early tonight as they are out east. So we'll preview those games next right here on Afternoon Drive with Adams and Mason. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch us on MileHighSports.com. Listen on MileHighSports Radio 98.1. 
FM 107.5 HD3 FM. I hear that, Danny, way back Wednesday. Of course, we got a little bit of The Doors. And the what I think of is Krusty the Clown on The Simpsons. From an episode, like, classic Krusty <laughs> singing, break on through the side, and he sees the clip like, what was I on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that today. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. The joy, one of the joys of The Simpsons is how they use Krusty the Clown as kind of an all-purpose entertainment parody. Oh yeah. So at various points in his career, he's been like Jerry Lewis. He's mm-hmm. been been ever. At one point, was like hosting an, a talk, an issues-oriented talk show. <laughs> he was everything. All right. My man was everything. Like when they show classic Krusty and it's, and now what you kids have been waiting for, another long raga with Ravi Shankar. <laughs> Groovy, man. Krusty was that guy, man. Yes, I love him. I love I, him. He was that guy. <laughs> you want to join the conversation, Rocky Mountain Forest Prior's Twitter feed at JustNabsTV at Mace Denver. Time now for the final word. The final word. Is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, the Denver Nuggets sticking around in Florida for another day. They're at the Orlando Magic tonight. In just a couple minutes, they'll be tipping off, actually, 5 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time. Aaron Gordon facing off against his old team. And then some uh, familiar faces from here in the Denver organization down there, Gary Harris and R.J. Hampton facing off against their old team in the Denver Nuggets. Denver without Bones Highland and Austin Rivers tonight. They are in the health and safety protocols. And the Nuggets are sitting at 10-10, and 10, 500 record, but they are still eight-point favorites on the road versus the dreadful 4-18 and 18 Orlando Magic. This is game two of a seven-game road trip on the East Coast and then in San Antonio. How important is this game for the Nuggets to kind of get back to their winning ways? Uh, it's very important, obviously, coming off of Miami Monday night. Nice win uh, in a game that I think we were all kind of wondering if there's going to be an imbroglio, and there wasn't. But you look at what looms on the other side in this road trip. Uh, Saturday New York in New York against the Knicks, Bulls. Pelicans should do all right. A couple of games with the Spurs, but then some tougher games as you get into the rest of December as well. I think this one is absolutely essential. And uh, if you had to pick a game to be even more compromised depth wise, it would be against, like Danny said, the dreadful Orlando Magic sitting right now at a crisp 4 and 18. Yeah, I just want to watch Gary Harris miss a whole lot of threes, just to be honest yeah. with you. I need him to clank every shot because pretty much that's what he did in Denver, right? He couldn't hit a bucket. That's why he got traded. So that's what I'm excited to look for. I want Gary Harris to miss at least 10 threes. That's my number. If Vegas had a number for this one, 10 missed threes by Gary Harris tonight. Book it. Orlando, by the way, hasn't hit 100 in their last five games, and they have a losing streak even longer even longer than that. And maybe the Nuggets. They have The Nuggets have not been in a great defensive form recently. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can get back on that horse tonight in Orlando. On the ice, the Colorado Avalanche up in Canada taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. That game scheduled to start at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. And good news today for the Avs, Nathan McKinnon 
returning from a lower body injury. Colorado 7-1 and one in his absence, very much the opposite of how the Nuggets did when their star Jokic was out. How will his return impact the Avs on the ice as they try to reintegrate him? Coming off of a winning winning uh, week and a half or so, and also some really high-scoring games for the Avalanche without McKinnon. Yeah, I mean, there's a part of you that says, okay, leave well enough alone, but you're going to bring McKinnon back in. You're a better team with him, but I just wouldn't be surprised if, I guess, a good Maple Leafs team. They've got mm-hmm. 33 points already on the season. I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, there's a little bit of awkwardness kind of reintegrating him back in, in, into uh, the rotation tonight. It never hurts to have him back in your lineup. Never hurts to yes. have Nathan McKinnon back in your lineup, especially on the top line. So you bring him back. But Nazem Kadri, that's the guy I'm going to look for tonight who's mm-hmm. going to have a whole lot of fun going up against his old team. Um, I expect a couple of goals for him tonight. He'll be very, very excited to play this game at Toronto. Yeah, he will be very excited. Avalanche still sitting with 23 points right now. Although, if you look at the teams ahead of them in the Central mm-hmm. Division, everybody's played more games than they have. Like, Winnipeg is one point ahead of the Avs. Winnipeg's played four more games yeah, give it than time. the Avs have. So things are starting to normalize there in the realm of the Colorado Avalanche. That was just in case you missed it, brought to you by Mountain High Appliance, where you can try before you buy, test out, see whether you like whether you like uh, uh, the, whether you like the appliance that you're going to get. And uh, they're able to get around some of the supply chain issues as well to make sure that you get what you need. They've got locations up and down the front range. And of course, don't forget about their clearance center as well. And find them on the internet at Mountain High appliance.com coming up we're going to get more into broncos chiefs and even more into the bridgewater mahomes debate believe it or not you know someone like james palmer of nfl network brought up some numbers of teddy bridgewater compared to pat mahomes and i brought up some numbers as well what does it all mean and can't we make the case that bridgewater is better a lot of people are giving him credit for this season. Justin says no. Maybe I'll tell Justin why he's wrong, or maybe I'll affirm while he's right. Find out on the other side here, Mile High Sports Radio, MileHighSports.com, and here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. No Eric Goodman, Justin Amson from CBS4. I'm Andrew Mason. Stay tuned. More to come on the other side.